Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Welcome to The Favorites, the podcast from the Volume Podcast Network. We're like two weeks from the actual NFL season beginning. As promised, twice a week, Simon Hunter and I have been going through every single division in football, every team, how have they improved since last season, what are their Super Bowl odds, what are their conference odds, what are their division odds, what are their season win totals. We have very specifically waited to do the AFC South until we had someone who actually played in the AFC South to bring on the podcast. We are going to do that today. I will get to him in a second. Simon, my BFF, my companion. What's going on, brother? Chad, what's up, buddy? How you doing? I'm so ready. I'm so ready for week zero. You know, we had Brett McMurphy on the podcast on Tuesday, and I thought your questions were amazing. And I thought the way you sort of responded to the insider nature of what he does, it didn't even occur to me that, you know, you joined me for the podcast three seasons ago. We did it with Darren that one year. And then last year, you and I did it solo. And you're so good at this already. And you're such a media professional already. I forgot that like you would have legit questions about what it's like to be an insider because I'm a jaded old media veteran who has been doing this for so fucking long. It didn't even occur to me to think that people might have interest in understanding how Brett McMurphy does what he does. So I loved when you were asking those questions. They were great. No, that was amazing. Especially the fact that um, he's hitting me up saying, yeah, if you ever have college information, reach out to me. It's like, you're the information I get, Brett. I'm not getting (laughs) information you're not getting. So that was pretty funny, but. Yeah, man, I'm I'm just so pumped, like for NFL, especially this this time of year, like we always talk about this is when everyone's so happy, so excited for their team. They're just in complete denial. And that's what I love about doing the show with you is like not that I'm the bearer of bad news. But again, I told people they won't find any other show in all of America telling you to take the bills under. And I've seen I think we have like three shows ourselves on the Action Network, all three different shows. Every every show, these people are like, yeah, take the bills over take the bills to win the division. I'm telling you people, it's never this easy. Fade the noise. This is how I win money in the NFL. Fade the noise. People are always overthinking this shit. Uh, Listen, Justin Fields is the greatest quarterback who ever lived. Uh, (laughs) Chicago Bears are going to the Super Bowl. Uh, Behind Justin Fields by about week four. I firmly believe it. Um, Let's bring in our very special guest. Joining us today is actually a man intimately familiar with today's subject matter because he played in the AFC South six seasons with the Indianapolis Colts during a terrific nine-year career as an NFL defensive back, one of UConn's finest. He's also the co-host of the Man to Man podcast with fellow defensive back Antoine Bethea. Welcome to the show. 
Darius Butler. How are you, buddy? I'm great, man. Appreciate you guys for having me. I love that you're coming on. I love that, by the way, I love right now how much athletes and former professional athletes embrace podcasts. It's oh, it's yeah. so much fun. I need to know when you got when you and Antoine decided to even do this, like why do it? What do you, what do you feel like you can bring? What do you feel? What is the feedback you get from fans? What are you saying now that you wish you had been able to say when you were playing? I mean, everything, honestly, uh, you know, as a player, it's, it's, you know, you're, and especially me, I came in through uh, Belichick. That's where I was drafted up in New England. So uh, we were pretty much prepped for interviews. You knew what questions were going to be asked. You kind of knew what answer was going to be given team wide. You didn't speak on other players, injuries or yours, things of that nature. And then you go to different teams and it's different cultures. Like, oh, you guys can actually like, you know, speak your mind here. But it's still up to a level because, you know, it's always team first in that locker room. And then once you get out of the locker room and um, I never in a million years would have thought me or Antoine would have been in the media space in any capacity. But, you know, you start going on other people's podcasts, you kind of see the trends. Um, one of the things I did after one of the resources I used with NFL is I went to broadcast boot camp and kind of saw, you know, behind the scenes of, you know, being a, a, a personal TV or personality doing radio, doing podcasts. I'm like, you know, this podcast is kind of cool. You know, it's more long form. It's more linear. Um, you kind of build your community. And if you're talking to somebody for 45 minutes, an hour, like we do, um, it's just going to be a different conversation. It's going to be a relaxed conversation. And a lot of times like a real locker room conversation. So I think a lot of players um, enjoy it on the other side. And that's one part of the game that um, most players miss even more than playing is kind of that locker room atmosphere where you can have just absolutely ridiculous conversations, important conversations, talk about your family, all type of things. So it's, it's cool. And we're enjoying it. And I'm um, kind of, it's just the beginning for us. Actually, we're going into year two. When Bill Belichick is laying down the law <laughs> about what you can say and what you can't say, and you're a rookie on the Patriots, oh, yeah. how scary is that? Uh, I mean, you kind of you kind of know you kind of come in with with the idea of who he is um, and, and how tight that ship is ran. Um, and, but once he kind of the thing about there is everybody is everybody falls in line, you know. So when you see, you know, Tom Brady and Vince Wilford and, and Randy Moss, Kevin Falk, those guys going about business a certain way and having the level of respect of, uh, you know, what your coach said, because it's a different dynamic in the NFL locker room. You know, you got guys, you know, and they're making five, 10, 15, 25 million dollars a year. So in a lot of situations, you know, you're not getting rid of those guys before that coach. So that coach has to have that respect and buy in. And um, so he didn't have to do much or say much to the rookies, especially, you know, it's kind of you do business as business has been done. And, um, you know, anything that we're doing in that building is revolving around this team first. And, um, you know, kind of player second and everybody kind of buys in from that from day one. It's not really as it, it, you do kind of walk around on pins and needles. It's almost like a, you're in the military to an extent. But on Sundays, when you run it out of a tunnel, um, that's kind of when you realize, OK, it's all worth it. I feel like we got a, a damn good chance of winning this game because I know we out prepared, um, you know, the other squad over there. Yeah, you honestly remind me of just of how stupid of a quote that Lane Johnson quote was with the Eagles, where he was like, yeah, we have fun winning Super Bowls over here. It's like, <laughs> yeah, Bill Belichick, man, they have fun winning multiple Super Bowls, not one Super Bowl. So it just when he said that, remind me of that. It's like, yeah, you suffer a little bit. It might not be as fun certain days, 
But like, you know, any athlete knows there's no better feeling than winning. It don't matter what kind of athlete, what sport you play. That feeling of winning, man, it's the high of highs. So it, it's just yeah. funny the way he phrased that where it's like, man, I don't yeah, care. Either. Is, like, yeah. A coach can, can talk shit to me, treat me like shit. But if he's got my back and my teammates have my back and you win, fuck, man, that's that's the best feeling ever. It is winning is is everything. Winning is is so hard. It's so hard to do, especially in the NFL. Like the 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 margin, the line between winning and losing is is, is so small and so tight. Um, but it it is you know it is some give and take with that you know because players do. Uh, you can't get burnt out from that. You can't get some mental fatigue from that. Um, you know, and even in practice, you know, practices. So Cam Cam just missed five days of practice. And in most situations, that wouldn't be a big deal. But I've seen guys benched based off the practice they had on Wednesday. You know, they may have played 90 percent of snaps last Sunday. And then going into this Sunday, they may be in sweats because they had two bad days of practice and they can't execute a certain game plan that we're going into. And that's not happening um, anywhere else if you're making, you know, starting money. You know, you're out there on the field. That's a foregone conclusion. So there are there are different, uh, you know, stressors in there. But um, like I said. On Sunday, when you're jogging out of that tunnel, um, for some players, it's all worth it. And then you look back at your legacy and, you, you know, you get introduced somewhere and you're a two-time Super Bowl champ. Like, that opens a lot of doors for, for people. So um, it, it's more worth it than some guy, for some guys than others. Rank for me right sure. now. Uh-oh, let's do it. Rank for me right now the starting quarterbacks that you played with. Oh, shit. I mean, well, obviously, Tom ones. Brady's number one. Yep. That's easy. I played with Cam his rookie year. I was with him one year's rookie year, which was phenomenal, by the way. And there was a lot of question marks about, you know, if he could be an NFL quarterback. And um, I think he broke the passing record and just, you know, was doing Superman things that we hadn't really seen before. Um, So it was amazing to see. And he obviously went on and won MVP after that Super Bowl. Andrew Luck. He took a roster that nobody had winning probably 60. I don't know. I wonder what our win total was coming into that 2012 season. But I won 11 games, went to the playoffs. So I would have to put because of that and what he did every year, those first three years, we took another step in the playoffs. Um, so I would go Andrew Luck at two and then Cam Newton at three. With Andrew Luck, it was so he was one of those guys like betters loved to bet on because he was never out of the game. And Ever. he had this mentality where he he would he would throw a pick down seven with three minutes left in the game and just come off the field laughing like, oh, well, I made a mistake. And if he got the ball back with 20 seconds left, like that game against the Chiefs in the playoffs where they came that back. That was unbelievable. Like that was ridiculous. And to me, that was the epitome of Andrew Luck as an NFL quarterback. That that's who he was, and his uh, you gotta have a you gotta have a, 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 a you gotta be wired different to be a really good quarterback. And the, the things that a lot of people would probably say is that you know Andrew wasn't an asshole enough, you know, to not only teammates, opponents, things like that. I think that kind of you know Brady's an asshole, Peyton was an asshole to an extent, Aaron Rodgers could be an asshole, even Big Ben, like all the great ones, kind of have that little asshole to him. But Luck didn't really have that. But everything else, you know, and like. As his teammate, like, you really never felt like you were out of a game. Like, we were literally down three scores, I think, coming out in the second half. And he threw another pick that game. And it was still kind of like, all right, let's go out and get a stop. Well, you know, we'll be all right. We'll give, give him a T.Y., give B.A., whoever it is, another chance, call some plays and get in the end zone. And, um, you know, you always had that belief. And the thing about Luck, which I saw in practice all the time, 
because um, I was I would pick him off a, a fair amount and he would get me as well. But he always wanted to know why. Like, hey, you know, what did you see there? What were you thinking? Like, how did you know to jump? Why do you play it like that when T.Y. is there, but you play it different when Reggie's there? He always had those questions and then he would take that and kind of, you know, take the meat and spit out the bones. And then that's how he was able to reset and just go out there for another drive because he learned he would have his instant reaction like, oh, whatever, bit bang around, run the sideline, talk to his guys. And you go out there and it's almost like a brand new game. And I feel like that's the short-term memory that um, a lot of the great ones had. And um, he would learn and adjust on the fly. So that, that was one of his, his best attributes as a quarterback, his ability to learn and adjust. Simon, I feel like we're going to get into uh, the AFC South, which has become a fascinating conference or a fascinating division because of what's happening for the Colts. The Colts have not found a quarterback since Andrew Luck unexpectedly retired, right? You had the jo- Jacoby Brissett years. You have the Phillip Rivers years, um, year for that matter. Uh, I mean, 11 and five, that's, I, like he would say, that's fine in your quarterback. You'll take 11 and five any year. So, I mean, Rivers, Rivers <laughs> yeah, did good but, enough, you know? But he's gone. He's gone. Yeah. He's gone. He, he, so was a, he, got, was a one, he was a one-year guy. He did you what, know? you know, I kind of expected him to do. He, so now it's Carson Wentz. And I'm going to set the scene here because... Carson Wentz going to the Colts, their season win total when Carson Wentz was expected to be starting the season was at 10 and a half. And Simon, you and I talked a lot about this. That was a number that a lot of wise guys, a lot of professional betters thought would go over because of all the teams that sort of had double digit win totals, the Chiefs, Ravens, Bucks, Packers, like it was the Colts that people had the most faith would go over the 10 and a half. They've since dropped down to nine. So do you have faith that Carson Wentz is healthy and that he's going to be playing week one? And if so, do you start piling in to the Colts at over nine? Yeah, it's actually at eight and a half at certain books, but I believe you're talking about FanDuel, our sponsor. So yeah, it's at nine there. Um, Yeah, man, I'm one of those where I like to just try to get an edge on other people where like I told you, you're the same mentality. You saw Carson Wentz have the worst year ever last year. And what I'm betting on is this guy is switching it up, moving back to the Midwest, you know, like a whole new scenery, which, again, people that play sports, you know how it's just so much mental. So much that goes into what you do in your craft is mental. Because, like Darius tell us, man, these guys are all the best of the best. The, the, the difference between the best player in the league and the worst player, it's not that much physically. But mentally, it's huge. Like the best guys are just so much smarter than the other guys. So when I'm looking at a guy like Carson, I saw that his best career year was under Frank Reich as his offensive coordinator. So, again, I'm looking at a guy who could have won MVP. His team was the number one seed, went to the Super Bowl and won with a different quarterback to now that he's back with that same head coach with the Colts where, again, we can debate about the Eagles talent against this Colts team. This Colts team is unbelievably talented from the defensive side and the offensive side. Both the D-line and offensive line is up there. And for me, I just love the value of this division where everyone's going to come in. Everyone's going to be talking about the Titans. Everyone's really high in the Titans. But we've just seen it time and time again, Chad, the turnover rate in the NFL. These same teams don't win the same division every year and win, you know, year in and out. So for me, loving this win total so much is just because of this division. Like, I have them sweeping Houston. I have them sweeping the Jags. So right there, that's four wins. And I get people's concerns about Carson Wentz coming back right now, but 
To me, the guy's already back in practice. Two weeks to get right. Maybe he'll be a little sloppy against the Seahawks week one. But I just see this thing going to get on a roll here. So for me, I, I'm, I've adjusted back complete to where I was, where I'm back all in on the Colts because I think Carson's got the reps in right now. That offense will get right. And that defense, you know, they're stacked. I mean, like he can talk about a butler here. That that defense, just the linebacking core itself, too. They're, it's just all around just a very smart, stable group. And we saw Phillip Rivers, the guy just retired, and he made this team 11-5 and five and took him to the playoffs. I just love the upside for this team right now. So, Darius, Simon mentioned something really specific, which was the mentality of the athlete and a guy mm-hmm. like Carson Wentz. We just talked about Andrew Luck, who seemed to be so strong mentally. You talk about Tom Brady, who, you know, he cannot be defeated. Carson Wentz is a guy who seemed like his confidence waned a lot. As a quarterback, as a player, how do you sometimes try to find that again? Uh, you know, it's tough. I, I dealt with that. You know, I got cut after my second year in New England. And um, during that time, and like I said, because of all the things that were going on, I had some things going on off the field as well. And once you kind of feel like, especially like your coaches or your teammates, um, the fans are kind of like the last domino to drop. But once you kind of, that, that all is added pressure, especially as a quarterback. And he was in the Philadelphia market. Uh, but, you know, this, you know, this is the big boys league and I know, you know, things are changing, but it's, it's tough physically. It's tough mentally, especially that position. So there, that's the biggest question mark for me is his mental toughness. Um, and that's, that's what you never want to have that question at your quarterback uh, position, but he is back with Frank. And um, this is one of the things that I kind of saw kind of coming down the line in Philly, but he, he had his best year under Frank. And that, that is a big thing as an athlete, knowing your coach, likes you knowing you knowing that he cares knowing that uh he believes in you all those things matter you talked about him moving you know he's a north dakota kid he went out there in philly that's a completely different world now he's back you know in indiana things are more comfortable for him and his family you know all those things matter and uh it's a great team and family atmosphere um that chris uh, and frank have built over there and jim uh been been an owner so I think he'll thrive there. So I'm right there with you. I got their win total probably at, at 10 and a half still, even though, they're, you know, uh, FanDuel, I, I would say 10 is a safe bet for me as long as Carson stays healthy, which is always a big question mark as well. He looks good right now. Can you shore up that left tackle position or at least hold it over until Fisher gets back and is healthy? Um, those are the biggest questions there. But um, that defense alone is going to keep you in pretty much every game. And um, I'm excited to see what Quiddy Pay does off that edge. So that's the one thing that will kind of take that defense from a very, very good defense to an elite defense. If you can have a guy that can just change the math off the edge up there, um, you know, that, that wreaks terror, especially on a zone-style defense where everything is, hey, we'll give up the short completion. We're going to rally and kind of force you to make long drives or turn the ball over. If you can shore up that defensive front, um, you saw 49ers get to a Super Bowl a couple of years like that. So um, that's the recipe for success down there, Indy. That's what we talk about all the time. It's all about defense. Like when Payne won it all, he had Dwight Freeney and Bobby Sanders. Like you need to yeah. have these studs on the other Rob side. Really... Too. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, that's the kind of thing that they – I feel like they have all the pieces. All that's missing is that Payne Manning, that quarterback. So Big that's piece. what I mean. The, the, the value is there to be betting on Carson once two bounce back. Yep. That's a big, the, that's uh, a big piece now. The Colts are at uh, 35 to one to win the Super Bowl, 18 to one to win the conference, plus 150 to win the division, and their season win total is nine. Um, 
it's everything that we've talked about, Simon, in terms of overvaluing Tennessee and the juxtaposition for Indianapolis having dropped a little bit and Tennessee now all of a sudden being the odds on favorite in that division and being one of the healthier favorites to win the conference. And they got Ryan Tannehill, Darius for you, Arthur Smith, the offensive coordinator, he leaves. We have put a lot of faith in the idea that Arthur Smith did a ton for Ryan Tannehill. When you look at a, a coach, an offensive coordinator like that leaving, again, we're talking about the mental aspect of the game and impacting a quarterback. How much do you think it hurts a guy like Ryan Tannehill to lose the guy who has turned him into a Pro Bowl quarterback? You know, I don't think it hurts that much when you got 22 behind you and then you bring in Julio Jones. Like, you know, whatever you, whatever feelings you, because as a coach, I mean, as a player, you know, you expect your good coaches to move on at some point and get better job. That's just a part of the business. And he's, you know, he's been with Gase. He's, he's had his experience there. And he's experienced enough now, I believe, as a quarterback um, to make his own adjustments. Because um, what a lot of people forget is Tannehill was a couple years removed from playing wide receiver before getting drafted high in the first round. And, uh, you know, he, I, I think he's adjusted and improved well year by year. And uh, so I'm sure he'll still use a lot of things that he learned from Arthur Smith. But um, coming as a defender, coming into a game and as a defensive back, it really sucks because I know priority number one is still to stop 22. And now you got to deal with these two monsters on the outside with A.J. Brown and uh, Julio Jones. So um, that's a scary sight to see on that offensive side of the ball if they can all stay healthy. But, um, I mean, I, if I was an offensive coordinator, this would be the team that I would want to coordinate for because, you know, especially late in the season – you know, it's still a big man, a big physical man's game at the end of the day. And you got Julio Jones, A.J. Brown and Derrick Henry leading you off the bus. Um, I like that on offense. Then we'll see what Bud Dupree is uh, coming off his injury and obviously being the guy now at the pass rusher position. And uh, you went out and drafted um, Caleb in the first round, who, you know, a lot of people wouldn't expect him to be there without that injury. And now uh, you went and got Jack Rabbit Jenkins on the other side. So they, they've made some improvements on both sides of the ball. So uh, I'm excited to see, but well, not too excited being a, you know, a Colts fan, but um, they're, what's their, what's their win total at? Uh, 10? They're at nine. They're at nine. Nine? Nine on FanDuel? Oh, I mean, that's, I feel like both of those are, those are gimmies right now. I mean, I'm not an expert. I'm a football guy, but that's those, that sounds pretty good to me. 17 games. Let me ask you this. Who was the Derrick Henry running back when you were playing? If you were five yards off the line of scrimmage, he had a full head of steam and there was a hole and you were the only thing that could stop him. That I mean, you don't, you don't, you don't see Derrick Henry's. You don't, you don't, that's, that's a mutant um, at that position. Marshawn um, Lynch. Marshawn Lynch was a beast. He, I mean, he was for your gen- I remember him, you playing against him. I can even see it in my head, man. That that was uh, yeah. serious hell coming downhill at Marshawn Lynch. I mean, the, honestly, the playing against Marshawn and guys like him is it like you don't want to hit it like you hate hitting them, but he makes the game <laughs> fun. Like it's almost like playing the backyard, like playing. You feel like you're playing a kid's game because it's so a lot of things that he did was unconventional, and his balance, his strength was crazy. But um, you know, I wasn't. I would always go at the leg. I'm, I'm, I'm going for a kneecap on those type guys. <laughs> the, the guys that I worried about was, in my era, like a Shady McCoy, um, Arian Foster, a lot of people slept on him, Le'Veon Bell behind that Pittsburgh O-line, which, once again, 
you had to worry about 20, 26, Le'Veon. He was patient. They were fine. That was a great O-line, by the way. And then you also had to account for 84 on the outside, which made things easier on some Sundays on 26. So um, you're going to be in that position a lot playing against the Titans this year. How much do you feel it? I, I, very specifically, during a game at the point of contact. Because I know, let, let me give a frame of reference that only I can give, and Simon will appreciate this. The other day, I'm opening the door. The door hits my shin in a weird way. I'm like, fuck, that hurt. And then I immediately thought to myself, the number of times a defensive back or an offensive tackle or a running back gets a helmet or a foot or an elbow to the shin in a game is extraordinary. Cleat, yeah. A cleat. And yet everyone just gets up and runs around like, the even the smallest moments of impact in football are the things that cause people to keel over in pain on a day-to-day basis, like a stub toe, things like that. But how much during the game are you actually even feeling that? Honestly, not a lot. You know, when it's cold, you know, your extremities, your fingers, your toes, um, and hitting a guy like Derrick Henry when it's cold outside sucks, hitting anything, falling on the ground. But outside of that, man, honestly, it's so it's so much adrenaline pumping uh, through your veins. Um, sometimes some other things, you know, some tortoise, some whatever you take to get game ready. And um, adrenaline more than anything, though, honestly, when you're playing and then you're focused on so much, you're hearing so much, you're seeing so much. And as soon as you hit somebody, as long as you're obviously not concussed or anything like that, um, you know, you're up and you're almost – you're thinking about the next player already. It's like, damn, okay, I get him down. Is it the first down? Is it, you know, third and three? Is it when you're already thinking and processing, okay, what's coming on? Is Nickel about to run the game? Am I subbing out? Like, what's going on? So, so many thoughts going to your mind that, honestly, you don't really start to feel those bumps and bruises from the game till like, Tuesday morning, Monday night. Uh, you know, unless it's something, you know, that's really bad. But, but you don't, you don't, you're not thinking about that, um, you know, at all, unless you're probably – you know, your late thirties um, out there playing, you're dealing with some significant injuries, but you know, normal game, you're not, you nah, we got it. We got to keep it pushing. We got other things coming. I mean, what kind of dummy would play this game into their late thirties or early forties? That's just crazy. <laughs> um, I do want to talk about, so like, let me, let me reset here. So we like the Colts over nine a lot. Simon, fair to say we like the Colts at plus plus one fifty. To win the division? Yeah, and let me explain to people. Uh, Darius made a classic mistake here about Uh-oh. when he said he said the over was nine. He said that's that's pretty good. I would definitely take that over. That's him <laughs> and every other person in all of America walking to the sports books. Oh, fade they the noise. Nine, and they go Tennessee nine and eight. That's easy. This team's got Julio. They got AJ Brown. They got Derrick Henry, Tannehill. You know he improved off last year. I'm telling you, people, this is how the sports books win. This is how they get you, these little traps, man. That's what I'm trying to get people with the Bills. Of course, the Bills are going to win more than 11 games. That's what the sports books want you to think, people. So I don't know the about Titans, that one. The Titans, I don't know what the number is, but I guarantee you it's going to be 99% of all the money is on the over. I, I, I'm pretty sure I've been in a five sports books, and I bet this under. Every time they go, are you sure? And I go, yeah, I fucking know what I'm doing, okay? This is my money here. But it's one of these where – I, I get why people love this Titans team, but the bookmakers give you little – they give you little hidden tricks on how to notice that they're kind of fucking sucking you in here. And why is this only minus 110 to win this division, Chad? Isn't Tennessee have way less question marks than the Colts? They're far better than the Jaguars. 
the, I mean, the Texans aren't even the same conversation as the Tennessee Titans. So these are all these little things where as a pro, I look at it, I go, okay, the sports books are laying traps here. Cause we, we can go over the history, man. Teams just do not repeat as divisional winners and in the AFC right now. Okay. Let's talk about teams that won the division last year. The bills won the division last year. The chiefs won their division last year. The Titans won their division last year. And then we had Pittsburgh win their division. Everyone's out on Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh is pretty much dead. People are done with Pittsburgh. Uh, I think the same thing is happening with Tennessee that people are just thinking, okay, it's, it's just going to be like last year. Tennessee is going to do really well again. But I think, I think not enough people are talking about how so many things went right for this Tennessee Titans team last year. Derrick Henry was healthy the entire year. He, he did not miss a beat last year. He was honestly the best player to me in football last year because I, I don't even know if he did, but I think he ran for 2,000 yards in a, a passing yeah. league. Like, this man is a freak. So that's my job as a pro here is I have to be that negative guy, but I have to <laughs> kind of hit you with the truth where it's like, this shit don't work that way in sports, man. It's really hard to win back-to-back years. That's why we all respect the hell out of the Patriots. So for me, just looking at the optics, everything points to an under total for this Tennessee Titans team. So please, people, do not bet this over nine. Ooh. Eight <laughs> and nine, like seven and ten for the Tennessee. I can't see it. I know it's hard, man. This is, this is why my job's hard tough. for me. To, yeah, it's hard for me to see <laughs> that. T- I mean, you know, the Colts or the Titans are going to win that division. Both teams played the Jags and the Texans twice, which, you know, they're going to split with one of those teams. That's just how it works. Um, but, man, it's that's tough for me to see. I can't see that one. But that's the beauty of this, right? It's like, it's also about where do you find the value? If the bookmakers are pricing, the Titans at minus 110, minus 115 to win the division. And everyone is feeling like the Colts, who two months ago had a season win total of 10 and a half. Like all of a sudden you're getting the plus 150 and you're getting the yeah. same roster that the when Colts it was priced at 10 and a half, yeah. you take the Colts. I mean, this is about finding value. So well, that's um, where the value is. The only yeah. pause there for me, even as a Colts fan, is I got more question marks around a quarterback position. That's the position you don't want question marks about around. So that 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 will be the only thing that gives me more pause. Is like okay, we expect Car. I expect Carson Wentz to be better um, mentally. I think more than anything, he struggled last year. It was just he wasn't confident in in what was going on around him. That'll be much better. But I don't know. He's still got to answer that. Tannehill. He's been building. He's been building. His momentum is building. Derrick Henry is going to have some more pressure taken off him with Julio Jones out there. Coaches and, and players are still still fear Julio Jones. I don't know if you guys realize that or not, but he's still that guy. Um, so, you know, we'll see. It's going to be interesting. All right. Well, now Darius Butler believes that Simon Hunter doesn't know what he's talking about. Uh, no, 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 no. Now he has convinced himself <laughs> that the Titans are the right side. And no, maybe the Colts I, aren't going to win nine games. No, no. That's how I'm seeing it. No, I'm just I, trying I to like explain the, the public never wins, man. That's that's how books books make their money. Vegas was built on losers. And that's his like, <laughs> it's just classic traps, man. That's, that's All I know book. is this. They All lay I traps. Know is this. Darius Butler made millions as an NFL player, and he just basically bet you, Simon, all of that on the Titans winning more than nine games. That's that's nah, how he's I, a Colts fan. I'll take that's that. how I'll I take, and I'm a Colts fan. I, don't, I hate the Titans. <laughs> um, they're winning. They're winning. They're winning more than nine games. The Jags are interesting because they're going to start Trevor Lawrence, and they've got a coach who's never coached in the NFL. And there are reports out of Jacksonville that make it feel like Urban Meyer is already in over his head. 
Darius, as a former player, as a guy who keeps his pulse on the finger, uh, his finger on the pulse of the league, what are you hearing out of Jacksonville? What do you see? What is your take about a college coach and a first, a uh, number one overall pick starting the season? I mean, I had some huge. I, I played with two number one overall picks with new coaches, Cam Newton, Ron Rivera, who obviously had experience in the league playing and coaching before he got that job, and then Chuck Pagano and Andrew Luck and Indy. And Chuck Pagano, once again, had experience, um, you know, in Baltimore as a, as a defensive coach. So now you got a guy who has no NFL experience, all college experience. And then you have a quarterback that's coming in who's, you know, highly touted, you know, highly regarded. A um, lot of moving parts. Um, I wasn't high on the, on the hire, honestly, when they brought Urban Meyer in. And he's done a lot of things that's kind of made me looking. Yeah, I kind of, you know, bringing in Doyle, uh, the strength coach, then you draft, you know, ETN in the first round, and then you tell him he's taking all receiver reps. Uh, you draft the corner at the top of the second. You got him playing nickel and outside. Like, all these things kind of as a player, it's like, I know as a player, that's a tough position to learn either one of them, let alone two. So it's a lot of things that's kind of like, ah, already. And then I saw some reports today that, was, you know, some, some players aren't thrilled with Urban Meyer and the job that he's doing out there. I kind of saw it happen in my days with Chip Kelly in Philly. And they had all that talent out there with Shady and Macklin and all, and it just didn't work out. Um, so I'm I'm not I'm not bullish. I'm very bearish on Urban Meyer down there in Jacksonville. Um, and, and I honestly don't see it lasting more than the two years. But uh, I think Trevor Lawrence would be good in this league. I think it's definitely going to take some time because it's a lot of moving parts um, around him. You need some type of stability um, at that quarterback position because we had a. The roster wasn't terrible in uh, Indy when uh, when when Andrew Luck came in. It was just Peyton was hurt the year before. But you still had Reggie Wayne, you know, Vinatieri, Pat on special teams. Um, Robert Mathis, Freeney was still there for a couple of years. You had still uh, Antoine Bethea. You still had pillars in that building um, that knew how to win and how an organization is supposed to be ran from the locker room out. Simon. Yeah, Chad, that's why it was a nice weekend for me. I pretty much told you how I felt about the rookie quarterbacks last week, and then everything came to fruition. I said, Fields need to chill out. He got a helmet to the face. I woke his ass <laughs> up. I said, Trevor Lawrence went from being on the best high school to the best college to now the worst NFL team. So it's one of these where everything Darius just said is so true, man. I, I These college coaches just don't get it. They went from being the main power source. They controlled all these little kids – you know, making them do whatever they want to get into these colleges. And once they get to the college, they control their lives. So now you got dudes that make more money than you. And they don't, like he just said, he might be out in a year or two. These guys have guaranteed money, so they ain't going anywhere. A coach needs to get over his ego when he comes into a situation like this. And all the little things I've seen from Urban, I have not liked. And he there's just <laughs> named a bunch of them. I think he's made a lot of wrong moves. And just watching this last preseason game, not that he looked lost, but he looked like the same way Nick Saban looked where Nick Saban was like, what dejected. the fuck am I doing here? Like, yeah, like I was a God. I could get any kid I wanted, any talent I wanted. And I had the best team in everyone I played against. So literally the Jags are terrible. Like they got a couple studs on defense, but that O-line is really bad. I mean, I like Robinson, the running back a lot, the undrafted kid. He killed it last year. But everything it looks like with Trevor Lawrence, it just looks like he's going to have a really rough first year. So we talked last week about that. and. It's funny, a guy I said I like, Zach Wilson, he's gone now from plus 1,000 rookie of the year to plus 750. People are really basing a lot of their betting right now on what's happening in the preseason. Where I told you, I'm just looking at footwork and how they deliver the ball, what kind of decisions they're making, because mm -hmm. 
rookies are going to do stupid shit. They're going to throw picks. They're going to get take dumb hits and dumb sacks. I'm not really worried about that. Like Trevor Lawrence, he had a couple of those plays the last game. My my big concern for Trevor Lawrence is just the fact that what he has around him. I, d- I just don't trust the coaching, and I don't trust the position they're putting him in. So I'm with Darius. I, I am just so off of this team right now. And I, it's one of the few ones where I had high hopes coming in because it, it was just a fun storyline, and everyone wants to – you know, the Jags, they've been going through it for it feels like 20 years where they're good for one year, then they're just terrible again for the next 10 yeah. years. But, man, I, I just do not like what I'm seeing right now from the Jaguars. Former MMA champion Tyron Woodley enters the boxing ring this Sunday to take on YouTuber turned boxer Jake Paul. And FanDuel Sportsbook is giving new customers exclusive 30 to 1 odds on either fighter to win. That's right. Now is the perfect time to give FanDuel a shot because you can win 150 bucks on a $5 bet. FanDuel is always hooking you up with exclusive odds boosts, great promotions, and so much more. That's why they're America's number one sports book. So don't miss out on your chance to win 150 bucks on a $5 bet on either fighter to win. Just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app and sign up with promo code FAVORITES to get in on the action. That's promo code FAVORITES. You must be 21 or over and present in Colorado, New Jersey, or West Virginia. This is for first online real money wagers only. Site credit non-withdrawable and expires in 14 days. Restrictions apply. See sportsbook.fanduel.com for details. Gambling problem? 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in New Jersey and Colorado or visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net in West Virginia. Let's get back to it. I, I forgot to even mention the uh, Tebow experiment, which, um, you know, a lot of people laughed at that. I was excited about that. I thought it was uh, smart from a business point of view. And Urban is coming from uh, media, so he knows how the media works. And uh, But just, just to kind of go back on it, like even how, how, how Urban, he's a great football coach as far as X and O's and, and building winners. But the other things outside of that, like, how he even left the previous programs and, and the things that went on off the field, like all those things matter. And um, like, like I talked about earlier with um, Belichick, like those players have to have some buy-in, like some re- legitimate buy-in, especially on a pro level. You don't really have a choice in college. Like it's so much power and control that that coach has. You don't have a choice. And uh, when you get to the pros, it's different people diff- pulling different levers. And um, so it, it, it's some different things that's going on. I think he'll struggle. But um, and I want to see Trevor Lawrence succeed. He's been the golden boy, the golden child from day one. I feel like he's a good kid. Um, but it, so, it's so much of it depends on what's going on around him. So um, I don't like to overreact too much in the preseason. Um, but it's just looking ugly right now. Well, how long do NFL coaches give or NFL players give coaches, new coaches, before they've decided the coach has it or they don't? Um, you know, honestly, a lot of it depends on, um, how, like how, how are you running? How consistent are you? Right. Like how consistent are you? Not only it's not based on the results, it's really based on the process. And that's kind of, you know, cliche because I talked about before, it's such a fine line between winning and losing. So you can have a five and 11 year, but if you know, okay, we're preparing the right way, we're having good practices, you know, guys that were hurt, you know, they were held accountable for getting treatment or miss, everybody's been held to the same standard. Just the, the strength and conditioning part, are they on the same page? 
Like, how is everything uh, operating in the building? How is he running that ship? And then how is he uh, running the ship with players? When things happen, people aren't playing well. Uh, when we lose a close game, we get blown out. You know, all these different things, you kind of have to build that equity over time. And, um, you know, that, that's kind of how it's built with the players and then different players is, is different. You know, for some guys may have been in New England for the first eight years of their career and then they come there. Some guys, it's their first experience in the NFL. So you kind of have to set and keep that tone uh, with everybody. And that's a, it's a tough thing to do as a coach, you know, because you're dealing with a lot of uh, a lot of personalities, a lot of type A personality, a lot of, you know, alpha and, and test. So egos and a lot goes into uh, massaging and managing that. And uh, so it, it, it's definitely an art to it. It's more of an art than, uh, than a science. Well, speaking of, that's a great segue to the last team, which we don't have to spend too much time on, but talk about a dumpster fire on a train wreck that is headed <laughs> for a nuclear waste facility. The Texans, I, if I'm a player on the Texans right now, how do I have faith in anything about the organization or what the future holds for that team? I mean, it, it's hard to, honestly, just because of how, like, it hasn't been ran well from the top down. And you had guys like, you know, when, when Andrew, I'm not Andre, I'm sorry, Andre Johnson speaks out, like, you know, it's, you know, it's bad. And he spoke out a few months back and you've heard, you know, it's been well documented of how they've been running things. Uh, you know, Coach Cully was put in a, a pitiful situation uh, Nick Casario, I feel like he's done the best that he could with, with, with what he was handed. Um, I don't think Deshaun Watson plays this year. Um, you do have Tyrod Taylor, who's a good quarterback and who has won multiple starting jobs um, and who can win ball games. Um, you know, you still have some good players in the NFL. Um, and coaches are going to get in there and coach their ass off. Players are going to play their ass off. But the organization has been it's just been piss poor um, from from beginning to end, it seems like. Simon, season win total in Houston is set at four. You have been on this under since the Ooh. end of last season. Under four. Yeah. And three and much, 14. Three and 14. And it's pretty much everything Darius just said. It's like, I, I was on this because I saw the writing on the wall. I, I just looked at that roster and I looked at their front office and I said, they don't have a plan. There, there is no plan in this team. And I'm not heartbroken for the fans of Houston, okay, they had a nice little run there. I think they won this division like three years in a row. So they had their time. They're listening. Houston, I would love to be hired as your guys' GM. There's just so much potential now because you guys are going to suck for the next two to three years, no matter what. You have no money. You have no cap space. You have no draft capital because Bill O'Brien traded all away. So, again, I'm going to shit on them right now. I'm, I'm telling you right now, Chad, we're betting them week one. They're, they're playing the Jags at home, and I believe the Jags are getting all the money, all the bets, everything. That's all. That's like one of these things where they're a home dog plus three week one. I'm going to be betting the Houston Texans, even though I'm about to shit on them for the next 10 minutes. So it, it's definitely one of these things where I have to separate myself from being a fan and just look at the data. And, man, it is ugly. It is crazy how bad this team is. They, they literally had eight running backs, all of whom you've heard of, but most of them are probably about – 25 to 30 years old which is not that big of a deal but it just shows that this team isn't structured right where it's like why do you guys have nine veteran running backs why don't you just draft one or two guys and have one veteran in there show them the way and it's just a really weird organized structured team so i'm with Darius. so i love tyrod taylor i just think he's a constant pro and it's again one of these things where week one 
if I'm going to take this shitty ass roster, but it's Tyrod Taylor going against a rookie quarterback and a rookie head coach against the Jaguars week one, give me the plus three Chad. So it's, it's one of these where I'm taking their season win total under, but week one people take Houston plus three. That's such an easy, easy bet. Week one. You're going to be sweating after week one with that win total. They come out one and oh, Dude, you I had the same thing. I had the Johnson same thing with Jags last year. Jags won oh, first week, and they went 0 15. It's a yeah, sick world we live in. Don't remind me. Don't remind me. I gotta me. tell you, Simon, I love this. I love this idea. I feel like our bets the first week of the year, the five games that we ultimately decide to choose, it's gonna be like so the Texans, it's gonna be the Falcons, Detroit. it's gonna be it's gonna be Detroit. It's going to be the Bears at plus seven against the Rams. I don't know about that. I don't know if it's I'm betting be on Andy Dalton on the road. At plus Andy seven Dalton. against the Rams. <laughs> <laughs> now, nah, Aaron oh, Darnold's coming for that ass, that. dude. I don't want to fuck with that. Um, that old line. My That's why they're uh, starting Andy Dalton. I know. Yeah. By the way, thank God. Trust some fields week too. Keep the future alive. Uh, all right. I think we nailed it. I think we got everything we need. For the AFC South, the Texans are going to stink, but we're still going to bet on them week one. None of us believe in Urban Meyer, but we're hopeful for Trevor Lawrence. We all love the Colts over nine plus 150 to win the division. Uh, and Darius has bet Simon seven and a half million dollars that the Titans are going to go over nine wins this year. So I'm excited to, Easy see, money. to see how that plays out. <laughs> it's going to be a push. <laughs> I do want to thank oh. uh, NFL veteran, current host, of the man-to-man podcast with fellow defensive back Antoine Bethea, uh, Darius Butler, UConn's finest. Thanks for joining us on the Favorites podcast. For Simon Hunter, I am Chad Millman. Download the podcast, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcast. We'll talk to you Tuesday. Love you. Bye.